Oh, yeah. We are ready to go. New Hope Radio. Glad to have you come along with us today. So important to spend this time together. Every Monday through Friday, you know why? I get a little shot in the arm. God's Word. Oh, God's Word will do it. Every time. So glad you tuned in. Today we begin a brand new series. Stories Jesus Told. (laughs) Oh, he told some good ones. And you know what? He had a good reason for every story that he told. He was the master teacher. You know why? Because he was the master storyteller. See, here's the thing. Jesus was the master teacher. And he was a master communicator because he found a way to get his point across where he could penetrate even the hardest of hearts. Think about that. He could penetrate the hardest of hearts. You know, that's the objective of the teacher, to get the point across, to get it right into the heart. But the Lord, he had his own way of doing it. Oh, yeah, he had his own knack at getting to the heart. More often than once, when he wanted to respond or was asked uh, a question to respond, he wouldn't give a direct answer. You know what he would do? He'd tell a story. And the answer would be in the story. That's why we have this series, Stories Jesus Told. And they're much more than stories. And to limit them to that, it gives evidence of one's own shallowness concerning godly things. Because when Jesus spoke, every word was intentional and every word was important. Remember that. These are the words of the master himself and he used them to do what? To teach and to touch each and every heart. So that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to teach and we're going to try to teach each and every heart. All right, let's get right at it. Now, illustration is the greatest means of teaching. You know why? Because it, imp- imp- it like prints images on the mind. And images are not easy to forget. Words, <laughs> you, can, you can forget words, and the more words that are used, the more confusion there can be. But the more pictures that are used, the easier they can be remembered, right? I mean, not many people go on vacation and write an essay of what they did. Most people take a picture. And the picture will bring to remembrance what they did, okay? So our first story in the series is about a certain man who threw a great big dinner party. So obviously he was very well off, very wealthy man, and he was also very generous as well. But before we get into the story, we need a little background to find out, well, why did Jesus tell this story? He told the story because he wanted to teach something, oh, I like this part, about his father. And what better illustration than something that all people could identify with? A big dinner. Now, a little background. Jesus was present inside the house of a Pharisee. He was invited, I guess, for some... No, fish and chips. Chips and dip. I don't know. 
Hong Kong Fu. But he was there for dinner. And there were other lawyers and Pharisees and scribes there too. And then wouldn't you know it, here he comes. Here comes a guy with what they called the dropsy. Now what's the dropsy? It's actually an abnormal accumulation of fluid that results in swelling or a tumor. So this guy had this big tumor on his body somewhere, maybe in his stomach. And Jesus sees this guy come in and he looks around and he asks if it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. No one could give an answer. Now this was Saturday. So he's looking at all these so-called religious scholars. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they're like, quiet as a rock. So you know what Jesus did? <laughs> he healed the guy. <laughs> then he sent them away. And then he asked everybody in the house if they would do that for an ox or a donkey. Right? If an ox or a donkey was in trouble, they were in a pit, would you pull them out? Well, isn't this guy worth much more? Something else was going on inside the house. The guests were jockeying for position. Jesus noticed that people were trying to grab certain chairs. You know, the higher to the head of the table, the closer to the seat of honor you were. And they were kind of jockeying for the seats. So Jesus, he, he, Jesus is like, wait. He says, listen, you guys, you could learn to take the lower seat. Let someone else elevate you, bring you to the head of the table. You know why? Because if someone says to you, if the head of the house says, no, don't sit down there, come up here with me, that's an honor. But what if the head of the house says, no, you don't sit here, you're at the end of the table down there. Oh, that's a dishonor. <clears throat> and that's embarrassing. So take the low seat, let someone else exalt you. That's a good lesson for life, wouldn't you say? I would. Then Jesus really begins to get serious. He said, when you give a luncheon, invite those who cannot pay you back, not those who can return the favor, with the result that you'll be paid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's saying, do things for people that can't do back for you, and God will reward you. That's what he's saying. Well, one smug Pharisee gave the reply, Oh, blessed is everyone that eats at the table in the kingdom. <laughs> There's always one in the crowd, isn't there? There's always a smart mouth in the crowd. Now, we're going to get to the story. Because now we have the Lord's rep reply in the form of a parable. It's a story about being ready to meet God. There are three categories of people when it comes to being ready to meet God. Number one, there's those that are ready. Without a doubt, they're ready to go. Number two, there are those that are not ready. And number three, there are those that think they're ready, but they're not. Okay? So, there are those on the earth. Yeah, a lot of people think it, but they're not really ready. So, let's take a look. Now, we're going to see that it's God's habit to have all things ready for his guests. He's never um, unprepared. Okay? He's never unprepared for what he's going to do. So we pick it up in Luke, uh, I think we're in chapter 14, in verse, mm, I'll say, 16. Jesus said, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. So he's going to give a dinner. Many people are being invited. 
Now, it's God's habit, like I said, to have all things ready. He's never unprepared or ill-equipped for anything. He makes all things beautiful in his time, doesn't he? Verse 17 contains the actual message of the story. At the dinner hour, he sent his slaves to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Okay? God's thoughts go before men's comings. Did you get that? God's thoughts go before men's comings. I want you to see the picture here that Jesus is painting. He's painting a picture of the Father. Everything is ready. I've prepared it all. All you have to do is come. Man, come on now. If you're a thinker, you're going to realize, hey, if everything is ready and everything is prepared, we could say it like this. The work is finished. I just have to come. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The way of salvation has been paved. All I have to do is come. God's not saying, come, and when you get here, I'll make things ready. He's saying, no, things are already ready. Come. Now, there is some sadness in the story. Verse 18. They all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Now remember, in the previous verse, people were already invited. They were invited earlier. And then another time, the servants came and said, Okay, now everything is ready. So, see, in Palestine, when a guy made a feast, he would send out invitations. I want you to come. This is the day. And then when it's time, I'll send the messenger to come and get you, and he'll bring you. Okay? So the day was announced, but not the time. To accept the invitation beforehand and then refuse to go when the day came, that was an insult. But that was the condition of the Jews of the day. That's what it was like spiritually for them. See, it's an unnatural thing to refuse an offer at a banquet. It goes to show in the human realm, the unnatural is the universal. And why is that? Why do people naturally refuse God? Because of our spiritual depravity. That's why. You could say in the, in the natural man's mind, the more valuable a thing is, the less he cares for it. The natural man's mind. We're talking about human thinking. The more valuable something is, the less he cares for it. True. I mean the really valuable things. The eternal things. One writer named Alexander McLaren, oh, the old Scottish preacher, he said, small things, transitory things, material things. Oh, everybody grasps at those. And the number of graspers steadily decreases as you go up the scale in preciousness until when you reach the highest of all, there are the fewest that want them. Wow. What's he saying? Most people don't want the most precious and important things. He says, there are a hundred who think it right when expended in the pursuit after wealth 
that perishes. Oh yeah, the majority is going after the temporal. The minority is going after the eternal. Which one are you? I hope you're in the minority. Picture a land of barbarous people. They place no value on the gold that's found in abundance in their country, and they think that glass beads are more valuable. Then, think of the treasures that God offers, and yet men think twice as much that the gold in their country is more valuable. <laughs> see, the, see the comparison? So, the slaves go out, okay, the dinner that you said you were going to, everything's prepared, come on. And they all began to make excuses. See, when God invites someone into a relationship with him and someone says no, I call that the insanity of humanity. Wouldn't you? You got to be insane to refuse what God is offering. So as different as these people are, they all share something in common. They all, these people that were invited and they said they couldn't go, they suffered from occupation with present interests, present duties, possessions, and affections. The first man appears to be a shade politer than the next two. He said in verse 18, I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. He said that he had a greater need. He had a need to go and look at the land. The second man, he said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Now, this guy wasn't as polite as the first one. He says, let me tell you, I, I'm going and do this. He didn't say, I need to try them out. He said, I'm just going. He doesn't mention the necessity like the first man did. He says, I'm just going. Then the third man, he, he, he thinks his excuse is so good, he doesn't have to be polite at all in verse 20. Another one said, I married a wife, and for that reason, I ain't coming. <laughs> she won't let me come. I would have, like, why don't you bring her? I'm sure she's invited. You can bring her. That's okay. But he, he's like, no, man, that was his excuse. You see? So he thinks his, his excuse is so good, he doesn't even have to be nice about it. And there are people like that. I was just talking to somebody today and how they have no belief in Jesus because they saw a grandparent die and that act shut them out from God. I'm going to be talking to that person later. I'll tell you how it goes. But you see how some people can just make up their mind before they hear it before they hear the story. So we've got to be careful because the more righteous an individual is, the less politeness they possess. And let, let's say the more self-righteous an individual is, the less politeness. Because self-righteous people, you know, they think they're the bomb and uh, they can lack man as many times. Where does it say self-righteous people or self-righteousness is a replacement for politeness? I've never read that, okay? Now, I want you to note how Jesus is going to kind of like wrap this up because he sees something in this story that he's telling. 
He's trying to get the people in the house, the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers. He's trying to get them to see themselves in the story. See, whenever Jesus did tell a story, he tried to draw in the hearers that they would find themselves in the story and they would be convicted by the story without Jesus pointing his finger at them. Because, you know, if you point your finger at somebody, the walls go up. But if the story convicts you, chances are humility can work into the heart. Okay? It's easy to mask our duty under the dress of obligation. And Jesus is showing these people that through these three guys, they have a true duty to go to the banquet because they said they would go. But they created these obligations that prevented them from going. Sound familiar? How many people shirk their duty on Sunday to be with God because they manufacture an obligation that they say is a greater thing? There's nothing greater. I mean, obviously, there are people that have vocations and they have to be there, and that's fine. But we know in our hearts when we're creating excuses and when we're not. And why does this happen? Well, the Apostle Paul said, because Satan blinds the minds of who who those who don't yet believe. That their minds are blinded and they can't see clearly. There's a veil over their mind and it makes them unaccountable. That's what happens. See, excuses, they do refer to legitimate things, but they're excuses nonetheless. So here, you know what these excuses are with these three guys? The land, the oxen, and the wife. A juggling act of unbalanced priorities. Excuses stop people from, number one, becoming Christians. Number two, getting serious with God. Number three, discovering their place in the plan of God. They are not flimsy. They're real. But they're devastating. Here's another principle. The people that you love, that you use as an excuse for not going on with God, will never and can never love you as much as God loves you. Think about it. There's no comparison to anyone in the world that can love you as much as God loves you. None can. The difference between the parable of those going to the feast and looking at the field, or those going to the feast and trying the oxen, those going to the feast and loving their wife, it's in their own imagination. They have created this false system or scale of priorities. They've done that. They've put the field, the oxen, and the wife ahead of God. And by the way, this is after the commitment, like I said, of saying that they would go. Remember how it worked. The invitation went out, I'm going to have a feast on June 20th. Okay, we'll be there. What time? I'll let you know. And then at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, here comes a servant. Okay, everything's ready. Come on. See, they were expected to be ready. That's the key. When you say yes, you're going, you're expected to be ready. Okay. So, see, God doesn't collide with the legitimate things of life. 
He doesn't do that. He doesn't, you know, it's not a, a crashing into our lives and it's like, no, everything else has to go. No, what he does do is bring balance and he brings order. That's all. He brings balance and order. The excessiveness in certain areas create a hindrance to our Christian life. So God wants to balance all of the uh, responsibilities, priorities that we have. And when you let God balance your priorities, you know what happens? Everything comes out better. Everything. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. What is the yoke? It's a balance. It's a balancing beam. And it helps you balance your burdens. So everything we siphon through God gets filtered and comes out better. I think that's what the Lord is trying to get these people to understand. We're not siphoning through religion. We're not siphoning through behavior. We're siphoning through God. See, the real reason these men declined going to the feast, they just didn't want to go. That's all. They had an excuse, but it really covered up their true desire. They didn't want to go. Question, why is it God invites and man refuses? Why does that happen? God, what's Jesus teaching about? His father. He says, my father is opening up his home. He's going to have a big dinner. Everybody's invited. And yet there are those that, mm, I don't need to go. They don't want to risk being dependent on God. That's what they didn't want to risk. So you know what happened in verse 21? Here's what Jesus said. Well, the slave came back and reported to the master. The head of the household became angry. Why? Because they said they were coming and now they're not coming. So you know what he said? Go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. See, originally this parable was told to Israel. God is inviting the Israelites, and they refused. So he says, fine, I'll go out into the world. And now he's inviting the Gentiles. And in verse 22, the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done, been done. but there's still more room. We got extra chairs. So what did he say? The master said to the slave, go into the highways and along the hedges, Compel them to come in. In other words, go even further out to the ends of the earth. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know what God wants? He wants a full house. No, we're not playing poker. A royal flush, I think, beats a full house. He wants heaven filled with people. That's what he wants. He wants heaven filled let me ask you, do you want to be part of that filling? Uh, can you say yes to God's invitation? See, it's important to know that Jesus thought of his kingdom and being in his servants in terms of a feast. I like that. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you about my father's house. It's like somebody that threw a feast. It's not, about, it's not like somebody that went to boot camp. It's not, it's not like somebody that went to prison. No, it's a party. It's a celebration. It's a feast. The symbol of the kingdom was the happiest thing that human life could know. 
What's greater than a bunch of people being together, celebrating and eating and having a great time? Jesus wants them to say, man, this is what my father's house is like because this is what my father's heart is like. We've made it rules and regulations. We've made it rigidity. We've made it religion. We've made it a works program. And Jesus is saying, no, it's a feast. It's a party. So we must always make sure that our Christianity has the tone and the spirit of a banquet. Think about that. Man, isn't there enough complaining in the world without the body of Christ being the major players? It's a banquet. That's what God has invited us to. And we are to live in the spirit of a banquet. Have that attitude. I'm going to a banquet. And not any banquet, God's banquet. God has invited me to his house for a celebration. Folks, that's salvation. That's it. That's what God has called us to. He's calling everybody in the world to that very thing. So it's a choice. It's a choice. Some people are going to say, nah, I got things to do, places to go, people to see. But the real smart ones, they're going to say, I wouldn't miss that. I wouldn't miss that for the world. And by the way, how long does this banquet go on? How about like um, forever? Forever. I mean, it's not that we're going to be eating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but the spirit of the banquet, the spirit of the celebration, because we're in the presence of God, it's going to be a time of joy. And that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we've been invited to, a time of joy. I don't know, man. You want that joy? <laughs> you know, you can have some of that joy right now by being occupied with God, what God has for us in the future. Join the Hope Club yet? Come on now. Get a daily devotional every Monday through Friday. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click giving. Click e-giving. Choose the fund radio. Commit three bucks a week. You can do that. Every Friday, send in three bucks. That'll keep us on the radio. Hit submit. Fill out your information. Boom. You'll get a Monday through Friday devotional email. Awesome. Great way to start the day. Thank you, everybody, for coming along today. Pray for the program. Support us if you can. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.